Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Truth and freedom are identical. Cause and effect, therefore, become a plaything, something to be used. I like that. Become a plaything, something to be used. We have been using this book for the last month. Um, Reverend Lynn, I think, kicked it off, and then Reverend Larry spoke from it, and now I am bookending the end of it. Uh, Your Invisible Power, Ernest Holmes. And then it has this stuff on the front that nobody can figure out what it is. We, we don't know. We kept turning it every which way, and I couldn't figure out what it was. But Anyway, so this morning we're talking about, I am talking about God, oddly enough talking about God and truth, which um, for purposes of this discussion is the same thing. I'm going to explore how God operates through us, and then I'm going to talk about how our awareness of the truth, which is God, and how it operates through us literally sets us free. And I'm using the term truth here um, in a big sense, not as in truth or fiction, truth or lie, um, bigger than that. In For this discussion, I'm talking about truth as a capital T, um, if you will, which is um, talking about the ultimate reality, something that is changeless, that is timeless. Uh, it's not affected by anything or anyone or any event. It is that which is pure, um, beyond and not determined by any human or human experience. It is a fundamental reality. It is transcendent. In other words, truth, like God, just is. That's it. And that is also the basis of uh, this philosophy that we call science of mind, that God is all there is, and that means us. That does not mean that we are God. Just to be very clear, we're not saying that we're God. We're saying that we are expressions of it, that we are emanations of it. That's what we mean when we talk about that. So God is all there is, and that means us. And just as God creates with its thought, so do we. So I think of it as God and its activity being the big picture, if you will, and then we replicate it on a smaller level. I don't know any human that yet has created galaxies and universes and such. But I do create my own galaxy and my own universe, just as uh, we all do. So, just as God creates with thought, so do we, and that's where free will comes in. That's where we choose. Which brings me to, I think it was um, last week Larry talked about it, and it it comes up frequently where someone will say to me, well, if God is all there is, and if God is good, and if God is love, then what the heck's going on? Then why is my life the way it is? Why um, is stuff happening? Why are there wars? Why this? Why that? The answer is that pesky free will thing. That's the answer. We choose. We choose consciously. We choose unconsciously. 
we choose because we are not programmed. God is not a puppeteer up there pulling strings and such. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking that if really if that were the case, then we aren't necessary. I mean, we, it, you know, I mean, God can just be God, and that's the end of it. I think we are here uh, to express the love that is God in the individual way that each one of us does it. So I think each one of us is supposed to be here. And I think our assignment is to discover, to reveal what it is that's ours to do to express that love, if that makes any sense. Um, So we choose. Every step of the way we choose. Often um, we don't know that we're choosing because we haven't noticed, we haven't thought about it. And maybe it would be cool if we did because then I think maybe our choices would be, would be different because every step of the way we choose and the choices that we make create our lives, all of them. A quote from this book, the concept of truth formulated in our thought becomes our word, becomes our affirmation of our relationship to the universe, which is God. For instance, we either believe that God is all there is, or we do not. Either way, either belief drives the choices that we make. Because we make choices from a foundation of a belief that there's something that's everything that uh, we are an aspect of. Or else we make choices uh, based on a belief that uh, we're on our own. And we're here for this period of time, and then we're not, and that's at the end. Either viewpoint uh, informs the choices that we make, informs our belief, informs our life. So truth, God, operates through us using our beliefs, which inform our thought, which then becomes the cause, if you will, talking about cause and effect. And then what unfolds in our lives is the effect of the cause, which is our belief. And you see where I'm going with that. So that means that our body of belief, the overall environment of our belief, the overall environment of our thought is what creates everything. It informs every single choice that we make. And often I think we don't question that. We actually believe what we believe is true. We believe that what we think is true. Um, I don't know about you, but lots of my stuff is just stuff <laughs> that I just make up and it is left over from someone, someone, somewhere, and a lot of it's just crap. I mean, a lot of it's just, it's just not true. It's not true. We tend to believe that it is true and then we act as if it is true and then we kind of are stuck. And... The thing is that back of every decision, every thought that we make, most of the time we don't know that it's even going on and then we're perplexed when our life shows up the way it does because we can't figure out how we got there. So what happens as we become more aware? Well, when we become more aware, it's not the time to say, oh my 
God, how in the world did I do that? What was I thinking, literally? What was I think? There's no point in that. There's no point in that. But we can look and say, ah, okay then. Is that what I believe? Is that really, truly right now what I believe? Without beating myself up over how dumb I was or where in the world did I get that and try to hunt down the person that gave it to me and do whatever it is I'm supposed to do with that. But it's only just the realization that, oh, okay, there this is. Is that true for me right now? Do I believe that right now? And if the answer is no, then just let it go. That's it. The end. You don't have to hit yourself with it. Just that's it. The end. And so we then start making aware and awake choices. And that's when the fun begins. I think that's what he's talking about. And I don't mean that... uh, sarcastically either, um, that's when it becomes a plaything. That's when it becomes a gift. That's when it becomes ours to use. Awake and aware, ours to use. Okay, now I got something to work with here. Now I got something to work with. So, do you, anybody here know, um, familiar with Fisher-Price toys? Fisher-Price toys, uh, when my kids were little, which was a long, 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 long day ago, They had Fisher-Price toys, and I remember the first one I got for my son, Paul, um, you put, um, you uh, somehow attached it to the inside of the crib, and it was very brightly colored, so it would attract the the baby, and then at some point, uh, they start, accidentally maybe, they start kicking it, they start doing whatever it is that babies do, and um, and they, they, um, they had, back then, they had two different kinds probably more than that, but one, when the baby would push a certain colored button, then a certain uh, musical tune would play, and there would be maybe five or six buttons. Or, that's okay, it's a baby. (laughs) Or, they would push a certain button and a certain picture would pop up. That's how the Fisher-Price things worked, and... I was thinking about the fact that some of us, I think, operate kind of like those babies do when they don't, it's brightly colored, something's going on, so we're just pushing stuff, but we don't make any connection between what the action that we are taking and what is showing up. You know, it takes, and some of us go through our whole lives like that. We just can't figure it out. You know, it's just a dang miracle is what it is. You know, we just don't know. So... My little sister Ginny has a new grandson. He's so cute. I met him when he was two weeks old. He was cute then. He's even cuter now. And I love it when the babies, when they're at that stage where they start uh, uh, waving their arms and legs and they start making little, these cute little noises, just these little cooing things. And if you watch them, they don't know it's them. When, if you really watch, you really watch, I watch um, Abel, and at first his hands would be going like this, and he'd just be mesmerized, just like, what the heck, you know, what the heck, just, you know, had no idea, and sometimes he would make little noises, and then he'd kind of startle himself, and he'd jump, because he didn't know where it was coming from, you know, he, he, he couldn't figure it out, and I was relating that to um, a grown-up lives, so to speak, and I'm wondering how similar that is to us sometimes, that we um, go through lives uh, like we're spectators, 
And life is not a spectator sport, you know, but we go through our lives and like we have no idea what just happened or how it happened or why it happened. And we have no, we're just stunned all the time. We just can't figure it out. We can't figure out uh, what happened, how we got here. And it's cute when you're watching a baby, you know, figure that stuff out, isn't it? I mean, they're cute little little people, and and they make these cute little sounds, and they smell good, and and all and such. And it's exciting watching them to discover, you know, discovering that there indeed is a connection between that movement and them. Um, I'm not sure it's all that fascinating when you're a grown up. So at some point, the baby, it dawns on them that, that, and I don't know, I'm not inside his head, but you can, all of a sudden, he's, it's, it's more directed action. So somewhere along the line, he figured out, oh my God, that's, that's, I, that's, that is attached. <laughs> that belongs to me. It's a plaything. I can use it. And so then they start reaching for stuff. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It takes practice, which I think all of us, you know, it, it takes practice. It takes practice to, uh, to get your hand to do what you want it to do, uh, just like it takes practice, I think, um, to get your thoughts aligned with what you believe to be the truth so that things outpicture the way that you, um, ex- you want them to. See, the baby's lack of awareness uh, doesn't change what's happening. It doesn't change the fact that as it is unaware, it has no control, if you will, over what the hand is doing. Our awareness now doesn't change the truth, which is that God is. God still is, whether we are aware of it or not, just as our awareness of principles, such as the law of cause and effect, our awareness doesn't alter the principle. Principles are just principles. That's just the way, that's the way it works. They just are. And we use them all the time. All the time. For instance, what we believe about the world and ourselves and how people are and how men are and how women are and how relationships work and so on, then that's going to be our experience, whatever that is, whatever our view is. And we are even so skilled as human beings that we will actually arrange everything to match our worldview. Often not even questioning whether that worldview is accurate or it is not. But we will, not, we will arrange everything, including we attract people into our lives that fit into that picture of how life works, what relationships are like, uh, what women are like, what men are like, whatever. So we're already using, we're already doing all of it. So we're already choosing all the time. But what are we choosing and what's it based on? It's based on what we believe which then creates what we think, which then informs the choices that we make. So given that, wouldn't it be awesome, isn't it awesome if we're awake and aware when we do all that? Because we've already got the technology down, right? We're already doing it. But we can just do it in an awake and aware state. The idea of God as being truth is not exclusive to our philosophy of science and mind. Um, If you study at all uh, most world religions, they all say pretty much the same thing. There are little differences, little differences, which 
we tend to focus on, I think. Um, I'd rather focus on the ones that we have in common. And the one thing that is common to all is that there is uh, one thing that's everything, or in the case of Buddhism, no thing that is everything, but there's still one of whatever it is. And without that one power, that one source, that one energy, that one God, that one whatever one calls it, nothing else would exist. Everything emerges as the result of that one thing. And this is something I have always known. I I have always known that there was something, always. That was just my experience. I just sensed that there was something. And I don't know why. Um, Maybe it was because of the way I grew up, of where I grew up. Uh, I grew up on a farm in Oregon. My parents still live on that farm on the North Umpqua. As a child, I used to play in a grove of redwoods. They're just huge. I remember the smell of it. I remember how quiet it was. And I remember as a child, five, six, seven, eight, standing there. I really was five, six, or seven, or eight. I'm just telling you right now. And I remember standing there and trying to look up and see the top, and I couldn't. It just went on and on and on. Or maybe it was growing up with babies, because I was the oldest of seven, so there was always a baby. There was always a new life. There was always something. Or maybe it's because I grew up on a farm where there were animals, and I saw animals being born, and then I saw them die. Um, I don't know what it was. Um, When I was little, you know, back in the olden days, rich people had sleeping bags. And they went camping. Well, we lived on 32 acres. We didn't need to go camping. We were already there. And we didn't have sleeping bags. But in the summertime, my mother would lay out blankets in this little area in the grass behind the house. And in the summertime, we got to sleep outside. I loved that. We all did. I got to sleep outside. There we'd all be, all seven of us lined up on these blankets and look up at the sky and look up at the stars and see shooting stars and everything. And I still remember it. I still remember what it felt like, what that experience was. And what it felt like to me was that there was something, there was something that was more than I could imagine and that uh, it felt like love to me. It just felt, it felt good. And I trusted that. Now, the thing is, my belief does not make God, God. Any more than my belief would make God not God. Either it is or it isn't. Um, My perception does not change it. But my perception changes me. It changes me. And that's why the truth sets us free, because once we understand that there is something that is for us, that um, is love, um, that that something is creative, and therefore so am I, then I'm free to choose. I'm free to choose whatever I want. And it doesn't have to be based on anything other than what I believe and what I think. So the truth sets us free in that once we understand that there's something 
that is for us, that is love, that responds to us with our thought and its thought, then we can choose whatever we want, right? There's freedom in that. Ernest Holmes, our founder, wrote that it is our inherent nature to be forever seeking to express in terms of freedom, and then I love this because this is the language of the time, we do well to listen to this inner voice for it tells us of a life wonderful in its scope, of a love beyond our fondest dreams, of a freedom which the soul craves. Free is not being under the control or power of anything outside oneself, and that includes God. God is not about control. God is about freedom. God is creativity. God is not directing um, every move that one makes. We are free to do that. That's how. That's that's the design, and could be could be the flaw in the plan. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> So the truth is that we are divine beings. It's our nature to express that divinity. Divinity is limitless, and therefore we are bound by absolutely nothing. Zero. We are not even bound by yesterday or a decision or choice we made 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30. We are not bound by any of that. We might think that we are. That is not the truth. The truth is, right now, we can choose. Right now, we could, cha- we could flip everything right now. Right now. So what would it be like to truly experience being clear and open and unconfined without limit? What might that be like? And is that something that we can learn to have? If, we, if our perception is that that is not our experience now, then how do we get that? Because we can. One thing we might begin with is understanding that there is, just as there is one life, there is one mind. And it is the mind of the infinite, and we all use it. We all have access to it. And so if there is a situation that we feel that we do not understand, uh, that we don't know what to do, that we can't find, even can't find something, whatever it is, we can remember that there's something in us that always knows. Even something as benign as keys. And I know because I've done this. I've lost something. I couldn't find it, couldn't find it, looked everywhere, couldn't find it, couldn't find it, and just got all mental about it and all twirly and, and such. And, and then all of a sudden I thought, wait a second. I know something. I know something. There's something in me that knows. There's something in me that remembers. There's something in me that knows what to do, whatever it is. And I stopped. I paused. I stopped looking. And literally, within five minutes, I walked right over to whatever it was I was looking for. And that's true. I don't think it was keys. I think it was a piece of paper. But whatever it was... It was instant, and I had been looking for it for a day and a half, two days. And I do that a lot. I'll just stop. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I remember something. I remember there's something in me that knows. There's something in me that knows. But I just have to shut up long enough to listen. You know? 
Is that just me? Maybe it is. I don't know. So life becomes a whole lot easier when we believe that there is something that is everything that is expressing as us. And we don't have to know everything about it. We don't have to be able to do a portrait. We don't have to be able to describe. We don't have to do any of that. We just have to have a sense, a flavor, uh, an inkling, whatever it is, whatever degree along the scale it is, to believe that there is something. You know, there is something. And that something knows. And that something lives in each one of us. There's something in us that always knows, always. But we just have to be quiet (laughs) so we can listen. And sometimes we need to get out the way. So a couple of things more. One is that sometimes um, our lives are very recognizable because maybe the same thing keeps happening over and over again. Um, For instance, uh, maybe um, you have the same partner over and over again. He, she looks different, has a different haircut, wears different clothes, but it's the same person. Over and over again, there's a pattern. There's a pattern. You keep attracting the same person, for example, over and over again. And so when a situation arises, it help, it's helpful if we can stop for just a second. And I'm talking about a situation that it feels like you don't want to experience. You're not having a good time. You're not having fun. This is yucky. You don't want this. Maybe stop and ask yourself, is this familiar? Is the experience I'm having familiar? Is this feeling familiar? Um, is this feeling in this relationship or this relationship itself? Is this familiar? Have I been here before? You know, have I been here before? And if the answer is yes, then that's a pattern. And then that is probably because there is a belief and thoughts that are running that and attracting that. And you can change that. You can change that. Sometimes... Something just seems to come out of the blue. Something just kind of pops in and you're like, what the heck just happened here? What just happened? And you go within and you say, okay, what's going on here? Is I, have I been here before? Have I? And maybe the answer is no. But regardless if it's yes or no, one thing that's really important to remember is this is not about assigning blame. This is not about, oh my God, uh, what is my consciousness like? How could, I have, how, how could I have attracted this into my life? The question is good. How did I attract this into my life? But the recrimination is not helpful. It's not helpful. And furthermore, I think it will discourage you from self-inquiry again because who wants to beat themselves up? I mean, that's not very fun. Although some of us do it for decades, but it's still not very fun. Sometimes something just pops in and there doesn't seem to be any, any, any whatever. And this is an opportunity, I think. Sometimes it's not so much about what is happening, but how we respond to what is happening. And again, we can always choose that. Always. Always. 
And there's freedom in that. Remembering that regardless, you maybe not figure it out, it doesn't make any sense, maybe it knocks you on your, whatever. But okay, how am I going to respond to this? You know, what's, what's my next, what's my move here? So we can always, always, always choose. But sometimes we don't know what our response is. Sometimes we don't know, sometimes we feel helpless. Sometimes we might feel overwhelmed. We might feel angry. We might feel sad. We might feel all of those things. How many of you know who Tony Robbins is? Anybody been to a seminar, a Tony Robbins seminar? Yeah, I have. He's, he was awesome then, and he's even more awesome now. Uh, Oprah Winfrey has this um, show on Sundays. It's called, oddly enough, Super Soul Sunday. And I record them. And a couple, three weeks ago, um, they had, uh, she had a conversation with Tony Robbins. And he was talking about, I made some notes here. In fact, I watched it three times because it just seemed perfect. Um, he was talking about suffering being the result of different states of mind. And one of the core states of suffering is fear. Fear of loss, fear of less, fear of never. And all these involve expectation. And he related it to uh, a blueprint that each one of us has a blueprint for our lives. And we suffer when our lives do not look like that blueprint. And what he talked about, too, is that every single one of these issues involve expectation. This is how it was supposed to be. This is how it is. Therefore, I am miserable, or any number of other things. So then he talked about shifting from expectation to appreciation. And the moment that you do that, the suffering is done. Because you can't experience gratitude and fear, for example, at the same time. It doesn't work. So he did this exercise, which I'm going to ask you to do with me now, using the power of the heart and the mind to alter the nervous system. And I think many of you know about that this can be measured with uh, brain scans and stuff, that the color, there are colors in the brain that change depending on our states of mind. And so what we're going to do is do this practice of um, changing our state of mind. So if, are you with me? Will you do this with me? Okay. Okay. So the first thing we're going to do, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and put your hand on your heart. And take a couple of deep breaths. Keep your hand on your heart and physically feel your heart. And feel the beauty and the strength of that heart. Because it literally lives you. It has brought you to this point. And just feel, again, the beauty and the strength of your heart and feel gratitude for your heart. Feel gratitude. And then keeping your hand on your heart, I want you to spend just a couple of minutes and recall, and it might not be, you might not have to recall it, focus on something that's really bothering you. Something that's literally feels like it's weighing you down. 
and keep your hand on your heart. And now with your hand still on your heart, I want you to choose three moments in your life for which you are grateful. Just think of three, the first three that pop into your, into your mind that when you think of them, you smile or you feel joy or love. So if you have three, now choose the first one and keep your hand on your heart and then focus on that moment. Breathe it in, experience it as if it's happening right now because your mind doesn't know the difference. And now move to the second moment that came to mind, the second moment. And breathe that in. Experience it like it's today, like it's now. And then go to the third one, the last one, the last moment for which you are grateful. And breathe that in. Experience it. Let it just wash over you. And now with your hands still on your heart, eyes still closed, go back to that thing that's weighing on you. Going back to that thing that just feels heavy. And keeping in mind, with your eyes closed still, that your heart knows the answers. Internally, to yourself, just complete the following three sentences. Here's the first one, and again, this is just to yourself. All I need remember is... All I need to focus on is... All I need to believe is... Your heart knows the answers. And now take a couple of more just deep breaths in gratitude and then open your eyes and come back into the room. That's an exercise, something that um, we can practice any time of the day or night. Any time. And lastly, this is Tony Robbins again. I invite us all to remember that life is happening for us, not to us. It's happening for us. I'm going to close with a reading from the textbook. When we learn to trust the universe, we shall be happy prosperous, and well. We must learn to come under that divine government and accept the fact that nature's table is ever filled. Never has there been a cosmic famine. The finite alone has wrought and suffered. The infinite lies stretched in smiling repose. God is always God. 
no matter what our emotional storm or what our objective situation may be, there is always in the inner being that which has never been harmed, that which always knows. We may stumble, but there is that eternal voice forever whispering within our ear, that thing which causes the eternal quest, that thing for which everything sings and sings. Let us pray. And so in this moment of remembering, of recognition, I recognize that there is something that is everything. I call it God. Regardless of what we call it, it is all that there is, and it is personal. It is personal because it is, and so I am. And so anything and everything I might ascribe to this one that I call God is also me because I'm made up out of it. And because I know that for myself, I know it for every person in this room. Indeed, every person ever. God is all there is. That means every single one of us. And so I speak this word for and about every single one of us right now, claiming and affirming our willingness to take the time to practice remembering who we are. I claim for every single one of us an increased commitment to our own lives, to being present for them so that every choice that we make lifts us up, and as it lifts us up, it lifts up everyone around us. I claim for each one of us a livening, a quickening in our hearts and in our minds as we become more and more excited and passionate about the lives that we are given, the lives that we live recognizing that we are at choice. And I claim that we choose with the utmost, highest, best for all of us. And that that motivates us. And I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful to know that God is all there is and it means every single one of us. And in that gratitude, I confidently release this word, trusting that it is done. I let it be, and so it is. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.